Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, we take one more look at the CARES Act. You remember that was the COVID stimulus package earlier this year that did a number of other things, like allowing coronavirus-related distributions from your retirement accounts, and it waived required minimum distributions in 2020. Joe and Al also provide some last-minute action items to reduce your 2020 tax burden, including the ever-popular Roth conversions, tax loss harvesting, tax gain harvesting, and some charitable giving strategies. And the fellows go over when you should be doing Roth contributions and how much of your portfolio should be in Roth accounts. And they answer a question on lowering taxes from swing trading after they figure out what swing trading is. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. All right. Uh, we got Judy. Uh, she writes in and she goes to the YMYW Trio. Uh, first, let's get the important things out of the way. I drive a 2015 Buick Encore metallic silver. That means gray. Thanks, Judy. Little sexy car there driving around. Yeah, I can picture it. Silver. Yep. Like she's got a, or gray. A, yeah, I have a terrier dog, a 20 year old cat, and two foster kittens. Oh, just a regular farm. I usually listen to the YMYW podcast while gardening, and I must apologize, but my question is not about backdoor Roths. Thank you very much, Judy. Um, I was wondering if there has been any changes in the tax rules for 2020, or can I use the 2019 rules to get a fairly good estimate for 2020? Also, with the COVID stimulus check, have any affected on my taxes? Thanks so much. I appreciate the knowledge and the humor. Um, all right, so she's she's looking at end of year tax planning. She's going, hey, what real major changes happened in 2020? And then the stimulus check that she got, is that going to affect anything on her taxes? Yeah, so first of all, the 2020 uh, tax rules are almost identical to 2019. The only change, Judy, is going to be there'll be a little bit of inflation indexing on the brackets. But for all practical purposes, you can ju- use the same tax rates for 2019, for your estimate for 2020, and the same rules, same standard deduction, almost everything is going to be roughly the same. So yeah, I would say that works. The The biggest changes that happened in 2020 was the CARES Act. Sure. And the, yeah. and the CARES Act brought a stimulus um, check. So she received the stimulus check. And people always ask this question. It's, you know, with our clients now, they're doing end of year tax planning. It's like, well, do I add this to my taxable income? How, how does this work? And the stimulus was actually a tax credit right. that they paid people in advance. Yeah, that's what's tricky. It's really a 2020 tax credit that you already got. Hopefully you got it. Right. So they're looking at, they were going to give us a tax credit for 2020, but people needed the cash earlier, right, to get it next year. Sure. And so they looked at your 2019 or 2018 tax return. And if you qualified for the stimulus check, they sent you the check itself versus giving you a tax credit. So a tax credit, you save money in tax. So that's extra cash in your hands. Or in this case, they just cut you a check to get you extra cash. Yeah. And the way it works is if your income was low enough for the most recently filed year, whether it would have been 2018 or 2019, if your income was low enough, they just sent you a check. Now, if your income was too high, you get one more chance in 2020, where if your income's low enough, you could get a check. But at either case, whether you got a check in 2020 or 2021, which would be next year, it's not taxable. Right. It is a tax credit. So if, if you qualified for 2020 tax return, it would just come as a credit. They, That's right. they won't send you a check. That's right. They'll, they'll just credit it off your, uh, yeah, your taxes. That, you're right about that. That is the difference. Yeah. 
Um, let's see. Anything else the CARES Act brought was the, the coronavirus-related distribution. So if she wanted to take money out of her overall retirement account, she could uh, without a 10% penalty if she's under 59 and a half, um, avoid the 20% mandatory withholdings. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, what's different in 2020? Well, we had a pandemic, but that didn't necessarily have to do with your taxes. Uh, RMDs. Yeah. So I don't think Judy... Uh, so if she took a required minimum distribution, um, you don't have to take an RMD if you're 72. Um, so those are just kind of minor things. But yeah. I, I think it, it, I'm assuming since, since she's asking the question late in the year, she's she's kind of thinking about year end tax planning. And there's really no material changes in that. So you can use the 2019 rates and laws. But you're right. I mean, so the CARES Act brought a few things that we just talked about that did, did change. But yeah, it's not like we, we we have the same tax brackets. There's not any new major legislation that really changed things significantly. Uh, give Judy five things that she should look for end of year tax planning. <laughs> five things. Well, when you when you sort of look at your income, and if you want to do a little projection to look at your taxable income, take a look at your bracket. And if you're in a low enough bracket, consider consider a Roth conversion. Yep, there it is. Every every single question, Roth conversion. We right. got it. Back to Roth. <laughs> If your income's too high, we'll do a backdoor Rob. Right. If your income's too high uh, and you can itemize, you might look at uh, adding more to charity. You might use a donor advised fund. Um, if you are over 70 and a half, you could do a qualified charitable distribution. Um, if you do give away to charity, you might look at giving appreciated securities away. Uh, if you have a business that's cash basis, you might look at prepaying expenses to create more deductions. So there's a few things. So the, the, some of the things is like um, bunching expenses, right? Yeah. A lot of that changed with the Jobs Act because everyone now is, or not everyone, but a, a lot more people are taking the standard deduction versus itemizing. Yeah, that's right. So maybe paying an extra mortgage payment doesn't necessarily benefit people as much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And typically what, what I would say for most people that we see nowadays, if you don't have a mortgage, you're probably not going to itemize unless you give a lot of weight to charity because you're limited to $10,000 for taxes as a tax expense. And if you have no mortgage, then if you're married, you'd have to give a, about $14,000, 14 or $15,000 away to charity to even claim a itemized deduction. So that's where bunching comes in. Like, let's say Let's say you normally give ten thousand dollars a year, so you would never be able to itemize because your ten thousand taxes, ten thousand contributions is twenty, and you're below the married twenty-five thousand. Let's just call it. So if you if you do all your donations in one year, twenty thousand in one year plus your taxes, now you're at thirty. At least you get to itemize one year. The following year, then you don't itemize. So that's where bunching could come in. All right, Judy. Hopefully that helps. Uh, thank you very much uh, for the details. Uh, appreciate that. We got Jenny from Portland, Oregon. She writes in, hi, Joe, Al, and Andy. I love your podcast. Have been binge listening and learning a ton. Thank you. Uh, my question concerns is the coronavirus-related distribution offered for 2020. Uh, we are considering taking a distribution of $100,000, then accounting for it on our taxes over the next three years. Our problem is, is that we have already contributed the max to our Roth IRA accounts this year, husband and I. If we add... $33,333 to our income, it will put us over the income threshold allowed to contribute to a Roth. Could you confirm if the CRD is included 
or excluded in the calculation used to determine income limits to contribute to the Roth IRA. Thank you very much for your help. Jenny in Portland, Oregon. She drives a 2009 Toyota Highlander. And wow. no, no pets. No pets. For such a big car. Yeah, that's a giant car. <laughs> I mean, anyway, she, she probably uh, hikes. Jenny, uh, yes, she probably it's goes. Good, you know, Portland, Oregon. Yeah, you know, maybe goes bit, to the breweries. Probably, there's a lot of good hikes. I've been on a hike there. I forget the name of it, but it was a cool hike. But yeah, Jenny, I don't a, think "cool" and "hike" it should ever be involved in the same sentence. I do. I think hikes are cool. I think hikes is like they the suck. most. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> I love hiking. Yeah. Uh, I anyway, can't. I want to answer her question. The answer is it is included in income for the Roth contribution limits, unfortunately. So it's included in MAGI, Modified Adjusted mm-hmm. Gross Income. So it would blow her up. It is. So now you have two choices. Uh, one is you can recharacterize your Roth IRA to a regular traditional IRA, likely non-deductible. Um, or you can pull it back out by the due date of the tax return. And you can even do that all the way to the extended due date if you extend your return, and that goes to um, October 15th. But if you do that, you also have to pull out any additional earnings or growth in the account, and you have to pay taxes on the growth, and you have to pay penalty on that growth if you're under 59 and a half. So when you look at a, a coronavirus-related distribution, and what Jenny's trying to do here is that she's got money in a retirement account, and she wants probably to unload some of that stuff. It doesn't seem like she needs it. She just wants to get it out of the retirement yeah, account. Right. And so with the CRD, you can pull $100,000 out of a retirement account, and you can either pay yourself back in the retirement account over three years or pay the tax over three years and Jenny is electing to pay the tax over three years. So she wants to get $100,000 out. Then she's like, all right, well, if I pay $33,000 in tax each year, that or the income is going to show up on my tax return each year. What I would do if I was Jenny is this. I would figure out where she falls in regards to income, right? Let's say because as a single taxpayer, the phase-outs start at one, what one, is it? Oh, single? Yeah. It's, well, it sounds like Jenny's single, isn't it? She just said Jenny. Portland area, Oregon. That could be. What's well, one thirty? Is the the, yeah. the the other yeah, side of the I face think it's off? One twenty five to one forty. Up, oh, but I'll find out. Let's see here. No. She does say we are considering taking a distribution. I think she's married. Yeah, and she says husband and I. Four to one thirty nine. Well, maybe I was just thinking about Jenny and I and her Toyota Highlander. <laughs> I was just visualizing myself with Jenny with no pets. I just assumed she had no husband, so we were, I was just giving her advice while we're driving around Oregon. Yeah, it could be. Um, yeah. All right, so she's married. So now it, let's look at it. So it's 160000 bucks. Or no, uh, God, I'm, one, uh, brain one, fart. 196 to 206 Yeah. Right? Right. So $33,000 is going on this thing. So uh, she – and her husband were were eligible prior to the $33,000, right? That's what it sounds like, yep. So then I would just back out the CRD to figure out what that number is to keep her in the threshold. Yeah, you could do that too because you have three years to, to pay, pay it back. back. CRD. So let's say you're only, only a few thousand dollars over, then then you know put that back in so that when you take that by divide it by three, you're still under the, the 196000 Right. Yeah, that, that's true. The other thing is you could actually pay back the IRA within three years, but you still have to include one third of it on your tax return and you still cannot do a Roth contribution. 
right? So <laughs> that's what's tough about this is it may not even be taxable if you pay the IRA back. But in the meantime, you have to include it on your tax return. You have to pay taxes and it increases your modified adjusted gross income and can blow up your Roth contribution. If I pay my CRD back the same year I take the distribution, I am not including that in my taxable income. No, of course income. not. But, but since you can do it in three years, right, 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 that's right. what I'm saying. Got it. Even though you paid it back, maybe you paid it back next year is what you're saying. You're, what you, saying. you still blow yourself up for I this think year. Some people are they're pulling out free money for three years, right? right? And they're but you have to pay the tax a third each year. And then if you put the money back into the IRA and you're three, then there is no tax. You have to file amended return and get your tax money back that way. Got it. Got it. Yes. As I read this, it says husband and I. So sorry. Yeah. And um, and plus there's a we. Yes. Um but you were sorry, Jenny. So, sorry, you, you Jenny. Kept, kept <laughs> thinking about Portland and Jenny. Yeah, breweries. You know, just joyriding. Talking. And I'm, I'm thinking about cool hikes, and you're thinking about breweries. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, there we go. Uh, hopefully, that helps. Visit the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to download our 2020 tax planning guide and the CARES Act guide for free. And you can listen to our previous discussions about taking coronavirus-related distributions and what's in the CARES Act stimulus package that affects you, your retirement distributions, and your dependents. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app. That'll take you to the podcast show notes where you can get all of that free stuff, including the full transcript of this episode. And you can also ask any money questions you might be left with. Or you can tell Joe about your favorite brewery or tell Al about your favorite hike. Or heck, tell me about your favorite band. Now let's get to more of your tax planning questions. We have a question from Owen from San Diego. It goes, Dear Joe, Big Al, and Andy, this is Owen from San Diego. Congrats on your 300th podcast. Well, thank you very much. It was probably our 700th. We didn't get credit for the first four or 500. We didn't. Because they were awful. Uh, <laughs> well, we didn't have Andy. Yes. So they were no good. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I'm not even going to go there. Thank you, Al. Uh, <clears throat> you continue to be the most entertaining and useful financial podcast out there. I listen to you guys during my walks in the neighborhood. And I always look forward to Tuesdays so I can hear your new bantering. Question. Can Joe explain backdoor and mega board? Oh my God. Are you kidding me? It uh, seems can, this needs further discussion. <laughs> God. Can Joe explain backdoor and mega backdoor Roth strategies? It seems this needs further discussion. Just kidding. Thank you, Owen. Appreciate that. Um, I do have a question about a wash sale rule. All right. Now we got something new. Perfect. Uh, if a security and a loss in my taxable brokerage account, and purchased the same or similar security in my IRA within 30 days of that sale, is that allowed? So let's explain what a wash sale rule is. All right. So if you've got, let's say, a stock like Amazon that maybe has gone up in value that you hold outside of your retirement account. So this is in a brokerage account. Well, that's a bad example because that's gone up. Let's think of a stock that's gone down like pennies. <laughs> Jeez, okay. Yeah, for example. So it's, got, it's gone down in value and you want to sell it so you can then take that loss against other capital gains. But you're bullish on pennies. You think it's going to come right roaring back. So you want to buy it right away. So you still have the stock and the IR says, no, you can't do that. You got to wait 30 days. You got to be out of the market for 30 days. Otherwise, this this loss doesn't count. That's why they, they call it a wash sale. The, the, the loss washes away. 
So then the, then the question is, well, okay, I get that. I can't sell pennies and buy pennies all back at the same time to create this loss, but could I buy it in my IRA? Right. That, that's the question. The answer is no, <laughs> you cannot do that. However, it, the second question is not that I would do it. How would the IRS ever know? The answer is they would never, never. know. They would, a lot of tax uh, is on the honor system. So you have to know the rules and hopefully most people follow them. But no, they would never know. The only the only reason they could ever find out is, is they, they looked at your their, transactions. Yeah, if, they, of, if they audit you and ask for your IRA statement. And transactions yeah. of the IRA statement. And the, and the only reason they would go that deep is if you had a lot going on that they wanted to make a case out of this. It's yeah. very unlikely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but it is not allowed. <clears throat> so, again, wash sale rules. So tax loss harvesting. We probably talked about that just as much as we've talked about the mega backdoor <laughs> Roth IRA. Probably have. Uh, but it's a very... It's it's a tax tool uh, that can be very beneficial for people that have a lot of money in a brokerage account. Yeah, and I think how that works best is maybe you've got like a uh, an index fund, like S and P five hundred, for example. And S and P five hundred goes up sometimes, goes down sometimes. And so earlier in the year, let's say the month of March, if you just bought the fund, it, it could have gone way down. And so you actually want to sell it to create a loss, but you think the market's going to come back at some point. And in fact, it did come back. So you'd like to buy it right back to, to receive the market recovery, but you can't. You have to wait 30 days. However, you can buy something similar, you know, like uh, a like, total U.S. market yeah, index fund. Yeah. Wilshire 5,000, 3,000, whatever you want to call it. You're still in the stock market. It's not identical, but you still will receive recovery when it comes back. If you want to get back into that original security, that S&P 500 index fund, you can do that. You can sell the, the substitute fund that you bought. Uh, in 31 days, and then buy the other fund back. So that's okay. So the, uh, w when it comes to capital gains, the, the reason behind this is that they wanted to encourage capital investment. And so when you invest in something outside of a retirement account, if it's at a gain and you sell it, you have capital gain treatment, which is lower than ordinary income as of today. Uh, there could be talk of changing the capital gains rate to ordinary income if you have a very high income. Um, right. And we can talk about um, the new president-elect's tax code at uh, another time as we get a little bit more clarity on what happens in Georgia probably in January. Right. Um, but so on the upside, they give you a, a, a break, a discount, if you will, on taxes. If you lose money, they also give you a break in taxes where you can take a capital loss and offset that against future gains, or you can offset 3,000 of that loss against ordinary income. Yeah. So, but they don't want people to, to, to I guess, take advantage, right? You get a loss, you sell it, and then you buy your security right back just to take the cap. You know, there was no intent really yeah, to sell it, to sell it right. right? You're just taking advantage of the law. But on the flip side, you can, um, there's something that's called tax gain harvesting. If you're in the 12% tax bracket, there is no capital gain. So you bought a stock for $5. It's worth $10 today. If you're in that 12% tax bracket, you could sell that stock even at a $5 gain per share and not pay any tax at all and buy that stock the same day. You just increase your basis now to $10 a share. Yeah, and there's no cost to do that, no taxes. Now, there could be state taxes. And you have to be careful because if your capital gain is big enough to push you at your taxable income above 80,000 married, uh, 40,000 40, single, single, 
then some of that is going to be taxed. Cool. Oh, and love the sense of humor. Thanks a lot. San Diego native right here. He's in our backyard. Right. You invite him over for a couple of Coors Lights. I think so. All right. Um, we got an, we got another question here. Uh, let's see. From Kick-Ass Seabass. Ah, I like it. All right. Hi, Andy, Alan, Joe. Uh, no particular order. All right. Love the show. I listen to many financial podcasts, and while there are many that are informative, yours is only one that is also entertaining. So keep up the good work. Uh, my question is the following. Wife and I are 36 years old and have a combined adjusted gross income of 343000 and we will both be maxing out 401k contributions starting this year. We are late to retirement. We are late to the retirement enlightenment party. Um, we like the automation of contributing to 401ks and tax deductions, but fear that at some point it will truly be unwise from a tax planning standpoint uh, to put more money into a tax deferral account because of the required minimum distributions in the future. We would like to spend $120,000 annually in retirement. At what point, what upper limit value in 401k money must we start putting money into Roth or port or post-tax 401k to minimize taxes in the future while also maximizing tax benefits currently. Maybe ask another way, what percentage of our retirement assets ideally should be in Roth and when should they start looking to kind of maneuver their money around? That's a really good question. And it's a hard question to answer without knowing account balances, right? Sure. Because he's making good money and he's young, right? So he's 36, 46, let's say, I don't know, who knows when he wants to retire, but he could work for another 30 years. And if he's maxing out his retirement accounts for the next 30 years, and he has been maxing out his retirement accounts for the last 10 years, let's say, you know, he's going to have a ton of money in deferred accounts. And if he wants to spend $120,000, then it's looking at, all right, well, here, I want the tax deduction now because I'm making 350 grand a year. But when should I start thinking about tax diversification? Yeah. It is a tough question, Joe, because when you make this much money, you're in a high bracket. And let's just round it to 350000 standard deduction of 25000 let's just say. So taxable income of about three twenty-five, which is the top of the 24% bracket. And so if you, if you decide then to switch over to the Roth side, then that's going to be taxed at 32% plus state. So it, it, it's expensive, right? So that's, that's the hard part. Now, if you're if you're going to be working a lot of years and your income is only going to go up, you might as well bite the bullet and start getting some of the Roth now because it'll be harder later even. But on the other hand, I don't know. It's hard to pay taxes, hard hard to pay the tax and avoid the tax deduction when you're, when you're in such a high tax bracket. So I would likely just continue the regular 401k and think about the Roth uh, option later on when the income was a little bit lower. Um, I, I would do the exact opposite. I know you would. <clears throat> I would. Um, and Seabass, <laughs> you know, he's making $343,000 a year. I get it. You're 36 years old. I would jam everything into Roth right now because let's say if he starts from scratch and he works another 30 years, he's going to have around $4 million just strictly in deferred accounts. Who knows where the hell tax rates are going to be, right? I don't know if they're going to be lower or they're going to be higher. Uh, but if he's in the 24% tax bracket right now, that's pretty damn low. We were telling people to, to, to convert at the 25% tax bracket all day long. Yeah, but he's not. He's 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 at the top of the 24, right? At the top of the 24. Okay. Well, at the very – how much room does he got? <laughs> well, 
that I, I guess is the 343 is that before the 401k or after course? who knows even i mean we don't know yeah. i mean we get jenny saying taxable income when it's gross income we got <laughs> kick his ass sea bass i mean who knows what these guys are doing well see so that so that you see he's got to look at his taxable income but i don't right. care 32 percent bite the bullet yeah, I, I don't. I wouldn't. I would for sure. At thirty-two, I would save all of that money. Let's say, would you rather in in thirty years have five, four million dollars tax-free, and you don't give a, a a hoot about taxes, or would you be like, look at this money, honey, right? And then it's oh, guess what? We only have half of it because we got to give it all to taxes, because you know college is going to be free at that point. You know, yeah, food's free. Well, anyway, different different strikes for different folks. It's finally here. Our ultimate guide to Roth IRAs is ready for you to download for free from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. It explains in depth what a Roth IRA is and how you can benefit from having one, how a Roth IRA differs from a traditional IRA and from a Roth 401k, the rules for contributing to a Roth, Roth conversions, backdoor Roth conversions, and the rules for taking withdrawals from your Roth account, and more. Given how much Joe loves answering Roth conversion questions later, Lately, this comprehensive resource will come in very handy. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes to download your ultimate guide to Roth IRAs for free. And of course, if you still have questions, just click the Ask Joe and Al on air banner there in the show notes and send them in too. We have Nick from Omaha, Nebraska, writes in. Currently utilizing my employer's pre-tax 401k, 457 HSA plans to control my AIG AGI each year. I contribute as much as necessary to keep my adjusted gross income at or around $25,000 to get the max uh, tax credit and refundable child tax credits. Uh, Being married with three children, this scenario gives me no tax liability and actually gives me effective tax rate of negative. How in the world is Nick living? (laughs) He's got three kids. Right. And he's got his taxable income, or AGI, below 25000 <laughs> which means his taxable income is zero. It's, it's negative. Yeah. Um, <laughs> negative 43%. Well, he must have other money he's living off of, I'm guessing. Uh, he's got a little trust, trust, little trust fund. fund. That's, uh, that's what it would uh, seem like. Yeah. Hey, so, Nick, something, something happened somewhere. Yeah, we're not judging. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, maybe a little bit when we hang up. Uh, we'll be like, yeah, Nick, that lucky. I mean, like, good for you, Nick. Yeah. Uh, this seems to be the best scenario as it gives me a guaranteed return. However, I'm wondering if I should be utilizing my employer's 401k 457 Roth option as well while I'm in such a low tax bracket. Any help would be greatly appreciated. Context, I'm 30 years old, wife is 28, married with three children, no debt, paid for a house, and have been contributing to Roth IRA separate from our employer uh, plans for both a wife and I over the years, as well as a taxable account. Love your show, mainly Andy. You know, it looks like I added that, but honestly, right. Nick did actually include that. 28, house paid off. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. 30 years old, wife's 28, got a paid off house. I got millions in the <laughs> got bank. Lots in the bank. And I, I make 25, you know. I'm gaming the system, so I get the, the, the credit. I love it. I love Nick. <laughs> He's killing the game. So he's uh, when he's talking about tax credit, he's talking about the earned income tax credit, which when you have kids and your income is low enough, you actually get a refundable credit. So that's how he can get a credit of over $10,000 by making zero. Right. And so he calculated that is that he's getting a 43% rate of return. Yeah, that's right. 
Guaranteed rate of return. So what does he do? Um, he's thinking about, all right, well, should I be utilizing the for, the, the Roth option, right? So I guess, Al, t- talk to me about the earned income tax credit. If he then, um, well, do you know the thresholds um, of that tax credit off the top of your head? No, not off the top of my head, but since he brought up $25,000, let us just use that. So in other words, is it dollar for dollar or let's say if I make $26,000, is it pro rata? Does it kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pro rata thing. Um, but if your income is low enough and if you have children, all of a sudden some really cool things happen to your tax return, you get, it's basically like you had additional withholding that you didn't really have. And so the government pays you, it's called a refundable credit. It's the best kind of credit there is. And as one very smart tax advisor who I went to a seminar years ago. He said, refundable credit equals fraud. Because <laughs> when there's a refundable credit, people have a tendency to make up numbers on the return to get free money. Got I'm, it. Not saying, I'm not saying Nick is committing fraud. Oh, absolutely not. No. But people do that. Sure. Right? Because he's got a 401k 457 plan that he's maxing out. So right. he's he's sheltering right. you know, probably forty thousand dollars a year. So we, we can only assume he's got other money to live off of. And so or, but he lives in Omaha, Nebraska. I don't know. Twenty five grand, no no mortgage. Yeah. Three kids. That's pretty, that's pretty Cheerios. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have shoes. Oh, they got boots. They probably sorrels. <laughs> it's cold there. Um, anyway. All right. So would you give up the tax credit to, to build more tax-free money, I guess, is the question. No. I mean, he's in a sweet position, right? If, if you if you start um, putting more of your money into the Roth, you're going to be over that earned income tax he's gonna credit. He's going to lose it. And, and your effective rate for doing the Roth conversion will be like 100% or, or more, right? Right. So let, let's say Nick is, is saving, hypothetically, $45,000 into retirement accounts. Right. right. And then so he's got another twenty five thousand dollars of income, but then he's getting an additional ten thousand dollars of income from the government as a refundable credit. Right. So, so essentially so, he's getting an, another match from the IRS of ten grand. Right. I would. Yeah. I would take that milk train as long as you can get it. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's not necessarily what the credit was designed for, <laughs> but. Nevertheless, he's arranged his affairs in such a way to take advantage of it. So there you go. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't add any more income, uh, Nick. You got a sweet deal. Keep that going as long as you can. Eventually, probably your income will be high enough where you can't pull this off anymore. And then at that point is when I would start doing Roth contributions. But we've seen people that have millions and millions that um, right with the whole Affordable Care Act. Yes, we have. I, exactly. Well, that will screw up my subsidies. I'm not doing a Roth conversion. Oh my God! It yeah, just... we. I remember one person in particular several years ago. This was uh, probably someone that had three or four million dollars, and they were trying to keep their income below whatever thirty-five thousand, whatever it was, to get the full the Obamacare Affordable Care Act credit. And uh, you kind of blew up at him and said, <laughs> "Dude, this is not what this is for." I mean, he's tripping over dollars to pick up pennies. Uh, uh, yeah, it, 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 yeah, I kind of lost my. Yeah, we got to lead people to show them the right way to handle their money. Yeah, right. And so he wanted to to keep a couple of bucks in this affordable care. Uh, I don't know. And he had he had a lot of money in this four hundred one k. Right, a ton. And I was like, dude, you're gonna blow yourself up. I don't I'm care. Trying to save for this little credit you get. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, that just kind of tells his personality. Anyway, the individual. earned income credit, if you can qualify for it, is actually pretty generous. 
All right. We got Randy um, from Texas. Good morning, evening, Joe, Al, and Andy. Emailing you from Texas, Houston area, driving a Honda Pilot. Randy's a cat person. Wife is allergic to cats, so that's why he's a cat person. <laughs> I think that means he can't have his cat that he loves. Got it. I love it how every time you say a car name, Andy shows it on the screen. That's because I don't want to spend a lot of time trying to f- talk about what it is, what it looks like. Got it. Um, Houston, Texas, and he drives. Yeah, that looks kind of like a Houston, Texas kind of car. It does, yeah. All right. So he's a cat person. Um, just like Big Al. Big Al's a huge cat person. I don't recall ever saying that. All right. Wife is um, allergic to cats. Converted to... Corgi. Uh, corgi via wife. What What is converted to Corgi? Help me he out. He went from being a cat person to being a dog person. What the hell is a Corgi? Is that I'm going to show you. That's a Corgi. Oh, uh, boy. Converted to... Well, that's kind of half cat. It looks like a half cat. It's a dog that looks like a cat. It looks like it. Yeah, it does. It, all right. Okay. So, 30s, married, two kids. Um, if someone made $5,000 every month in short-term gains from the stock market swing trading every month for a total of $130,000. Okay. Is this a hypothetical? Um, what are your thoughts to help reduce taxes by year end? Thank you for helping me answer this question for someone else. (laughs) Whatever, Randy. (laughs) So Randy's a cat person, marries this beautiful bride. Right. And then he goes, well, I converted a Corgi. (laughs) I don't even know what the hell this is. Where's this going? And then now he's a swing trader. To me, well, like swing trader, I thought he was he converted to something else with the with with his wife and the yeah, corgi. She couldn't stand the cat. So. <laughs> thought the corgi and him were doing swing, something something yeah, else. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, it's swing trading. Yeah. He's making money, I guess. Well, if you if you make five thousand a month in short term gains, how do you get up to one hundred thirty? Isn't that sixty thousand? It is. It is. So I'm not sure about that either. Um, so yeah, my, well, my exp- and I don't what do, what does uh, swing trading even mean? Is that short term trader? I guess. Well, it's short term gains, so he's just yeah, yeah. He's, he's swinging, <laughs> he's swinging to the fence, he's swinging that. <laughs> so anyway, it it is it's it's ordinary income. There's not much you can do to reduce taxes. We can see Randy just ordinary walking income. his walking his corgi, <laughs> talking about you know listening to the podcast. And go man, I wish you would give me some swing trading tips. My- <laughs> My experience of people that make $5,000 or $10,000 every month in the market, short-term gains, that gravy train changes when the market turns. Fairly quickly. Yeah. Well, it'll short it then, you know. Well, yeah, if you could time it right. Dude, awesome. Well, Randy's got the skills. I have no no <laughs> doubt. But, yeah, if someone made $5,000 every month in short-term gains from the stock market swing trading every month for a year for a total of 130000 uh, your math is really good, Randy. <laughs> yeah, I don't get that either. But I guess to get to his question, what can he do about taxes? It's ordinary income. So that's the, that's the hardest kind of tax to, income to do anything with. Well, uh, can he put his trading business or trading activity, can, can he call it a business? Not really. I mean, there's something called that. Uh, uh, I guess it's a trader uh, in the IRS code. 
and then you you can set it up as a business but then you have to do mark to market so like every at the end of the year all all your positions are considered sold and I, I don't know there's all these rules it's way too complicated i'd have to look them up to be able to tell you what they are but there is that category i don't i still don't think it's earned income though i think it's still portfolio income so i'm not sure you could do a retirement plan on that I think all that does is right. Well, it, short-term gains is yeah, it's, yeah, it's still all, portfolio all income. It right, does is allow you to deduct your expenses on Schedule C for your business. I think that's that's what you get from it being a trader, a professional trader for the IRS rules. Um, well, I guess you. I, I'm sure in all of his trades, he's never lost. No, if he did, like. <laughs> You know, but with uh, in a blue moon, let's say he, he makes a bad trade and has a loss. Right. I'm that, sure that hasn't happened. Never, never right. to Randy. But just in case. Uh, just in case you could take that loss and offset that gain. You can't. It's like a gambling right. loss, right? right. It, we, we, we have individuals that come in that have million-dollar gambling winnings yeah. and then million-dollar gambling losses. And they can prove it because <laughs> yes. they get the form. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it, it reminds me of someone that goes to Vegas. Have you ever heard someone come back and say, oh, yeah, I lost my ass? Yeah. It's. it's. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out how to say that nicely. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I, most most I, times. Actually, a lot of times people people that are more honest say something like, oh, kind, of about, kind of about broke even, you know, covered the cost of the trip. Which, you know, the real gamblers, they don't ever tell you that they're going. Yeah. Because you know it's not like, hey, I'm going to Vegas, right? Right? Oh, and then you then they come back and you're like, hey, how was Vegas? Yeah. And then they'll be like, oh, I, you know, I either lost or killed it. Yeah. The people that right, oh, I killed it in Vegas last week. Oh, you never told me that you were going because most cases they lose their assets. And right, and the people that they they like, like to brag, oh, I always get comped a room. Oh yeah. It's because you lose <laughs> a lot of money. Right. <laughs> Oh, I was making some money one time in Vegas. I was like, how about a room? Get that screaming that, how about a room? And they gave me this awful, awful room just to shut me up. Right. All right. Um, that's it for us today. Thanks, Andy. Wonderful job once again. Nice job engineering, Joe. And, uh, yeah, hopefully the sound quality is all right. Uh, we'll see you guys again next week. Show's called Your Money Wall. Joe getting lost in the grocery store and Dumb and Dumber coming right up. If you like the completely non-financial derails, stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 for your free financial assessment. There's only a little bit of time left until the end of the year, so call or schedule your free financial assessment now. 888-994-6257 or click get an assessment at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the security or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Oh, we lost Andy too. Yeah. Um, we're going to keep going. No, yeah, I'm here. Might as well, oh, okay. Right? She's, oh, she's I just had my camera off. Popped in oh, yeah. She's just, she scared, she scared <laughs> me. I felt like, a, you know, I was like a little kid in the grocery store that lost her mom. <laughs> It's okay, little one. Yeah, I did. And then they were, you know, then they put it over the air. Is there a Ruth Anderson in the store? Paging Ruth Anderson. So you found an adult and said, I I lost my mom. I lost my mom. Yeah. Yeah. 
it was just two years ago. Um, <laughs> Got it. Well, at least it wasn't last year. Got it. Uh, oh, what's that? I said, come along, little Joey. Yes, exactly. Remember that movie, Alan? Mm. Kick his ass, Seabass. No. Andy? I remember you talking about it. You've talked about it on the show before, and I think that's this uh, this person that's emailed us. You called him Seabass. Yeah, he's Seabass. He's a trucker, wears a hat, and then Dumb and Dumber, right? You guys don't remember that? And then he was like, he threw salt over him, and then it, and then it was, he got upset, and was like, kick his ass, Seabass. I did see, um, I couldn't hear any of that, because I can't hear Andy today, but I did see part of Dumb and Dumber, but I couldn't. Make yeah, it if, if we would videotape this show, <laughs> no, I it would be called Dumb and Dumber That's on Finance. I watch it. It reminded me of you and me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which one are you? Lloyd or um, Harry? I don't know. Which which, which one? Uh, yeah, you'd be Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels. Yeah, yeah I, I would be Jeff Daniels. Yeah, for sure. You'd be Jeff Daniels. <laughs> yeah.